0: Hello. Hey. How's it going, big guy? Going great. Can you prove that? How about you? Doing Can I prove good? it. No. <laughs> you should try. I would suggest starting with a proof.
1: OK. I'll, uh, maybe, maybe some videographic evidence. You love videographic evidence. I try. I try. I'm still making do. Remember flip cameras? I love flip cameras. I have two flip cameras that I bought uh, for like probably five bucks a piece on different occasions. They're matching. My intent was to make a 3D camera out of them. Their problem is that their uh, batteries instantly register as dead. Yep. Unless you are, yeah. But I, I, I get some use out of them. And you know what? That's what life is
0: about, getting use out of things. Like using people for interviews when you really don't want to record yourself. (laughs)
1: <laughs> Absolutely. I've been looking forward to doing this for a long time, though. Well, that's what I wanted to know, because, you know, Yeah.
0: I like to use people, and I like people to feel like they're being used. <laughs> <laughs> yes, this I remember. <laughs> uh, I just love the eurythmics, what can I say? <laughs> <laughs> yes, who doesn't? Um, I'll tell you who. People who are trying to make do at the same time in this base of pop music. They hated the arrhythmics.
1: Well, that's only natural.
0: Yeah, well, what are you going to do? I mean, <laughs> pop music, right? Right. Yes. Okay, let's start from the very beginning. Okay. Tell me
1: about Bullwinkle's. Oh, I was hoping. I was hoping. Okay. <laughs> Glad to let you drive. I started, well oh, man. I started working at Bullwinkle's in, I think it was 1993, it was right around when I turned 16, and my first job was holding the lion, which was a new thing, because if anybody remembers most of the history of Bullwinkle's, you just walk in and uh, select your food and and grab yourself a table, but during the last few years near the end there, uh, it actually got impacted, and they had to have some teenagers like myself, hold the line and tell these parents who knew for years that you could just walk right in, that nope, there's no tables, you have to wait. I took it very seriously. I got teased by my parents. I wouldn't even let them in uh, to cut the line. Said, nope, this is my job. I'm going to do it. And then when it wasn't very busy, I would bust tables, uh, Learned a whole, I'd say, different kind of view of what pizza uh, can be (laughs) working at a a pizza restaurant busing table Um, will will alter your perception but the real fun stuff came after um, going away that first summer which would have been the summer after my junior year to go work at Great America wearing the Snagglepuss costume I'm sure we'll get to that in a bit (laughs) but when that season ended they asked me to come back and wear the Bullwinkle costume. Now, there's a few interesting things about this. The least interesting was 85% of my job, which was spent sitting in the back room waiting for someone to tell me it was time to put on the costume and go take a walk, which they really were not good at. But what was interesting about that is that I was in the back room of Bullwinkles and just with nothing to do. I mean, my my, my attempt at responsibility was to say, well, I'm going to do homework or whatever. But you know, that never happens. Um, I, I taught myself to solder because I was in the maintenance room and there was a soldering iron. And uh, I'd make sculptures out of paper clips. And I, yeah, I, um, back there next to the old uniforms, the Mountie style uniform shirts was mm-hmm. the animatronic, sculpture of Dudley Wright and Snidely Whiplash that used to be up in the front before they had the photo booth. Oh God that's right, yeah. 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 And and, and knowing that those things were under say, unutilized, collecting dust and who knows where they are now, that's one of the things in my life about which I feel anxiety because Those animatronic devices should be in my basement with me right now. I have no idea (laughs) where they are.
0: You know, one of my favorite things they go to History Center pretty regularly, and in one of the back rooms, they have a Chuck E. Cheese, one of the original animatronic Chuck E. Cheeses. But they have removed half the skin so you can see the armatures underneath. Even Like body worlds. Yeah, it is so creepy. Because <laughs> oh. as you walk around, you start to see, oh, my God, it's a soulless robot.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that
0: I actually, is... I love the animatronics. The animatronics is like one of my things. And when I was taught at the museum, I was always trying to get us animatronics. And when they upgraded the uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, I made a serious play with Disney to try and get one of the uh, – figures that they were getting rid of, but sadly it didn't happen because Disney is jerks.
1: Yeah. Oh, that would have been pretty cool though.
0: Yeah. Now, tell me of of the Bullwinkle days, what was your favorite thing on the menu?
1: Oh, you know what? Um, I would say that most of when I ate there was before I worked there, was pizza because I was a kid, right? Yeah. Um, but uh, as evidenced by the fact that I was never called up to be a server. I never uh, learned the familiarity with the menu that someone on the serving staff would have. I remember nothing about it besides pizza.
0: <laughs> like, I always loved the the pizza with the top, uh, that, you know, that, that top layer of pizza, and you could get the pepperoni on top, and that was always awesome.
1: But oh, yeah. my
0: favorite thing, that was the place where I discovered the snowshoe fries. As a, as an ethos.
1: Now, those were like a waffle fry, right? Yeah.
0: Okay. But yes. they called them snowshoe because they were Dudley Do-Right, and he was a Mountie from Canada. Oh. All Canadians wear snowshoes.
1: It's the law. That's right. I went I into Canada I've been, I've been I to
0: Canada once. I've been to Canada many times, and when I'm not walking around with my snowshoes, I feel out of place.
1: You're you, gonna get, uh harassed. uh. You're
0: going to get harassed. No, no. Canadians don't harass people. Oh. They just give them Tim Horton's Timbits, and that makes it all better.
1: Oh, oh okay. More flies with honey. More flies with Hortons. <laughs> That's <laughs> correct.
0: <laughs> now, now, as you may not know this, but I actually – all the episodes of my podcast, several of them went away. Uh, they just got deleted.
1: and I, heard. I was – going to try and uh, remedially listen to the whole Winkled episode, but I uh, I think you put up a link, but I, just, you know, with this quarantine going on, Chris, I'm just super, super busy. What? And to compact it, <laughs> I mean, there's a few reasons. One is working in the industry I work in, I'm considered essential. Oh. And uh, the other is we've got a one-year-old baby, but we're not sending her to daycare, so we between my wife and I, I, got an extra, basically, 40 hours a week worth of work to do, but both of us are still working, which I have to be thankful for. It's nice to be still working, but, oh, yeah. oh my goodness, are we exhausted.
0: Yeah, I could imagine. I, I could not imagine. just I could imagine doing this when they were one, uh, just because they were so much easier to deal with, but now that they're four and mouthy and mobile, <laughs> it's a lot harder. Yeah.
1: There, when they start, I guess, really getting that locomotion to when they start to have some capacity for obedience. And, yeah, uh, yeah, you're still, still in that, still waiting for that. <laughs> I made a mistake of having, I made a mistake of having kids at forty. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Now, here's a tough one. One of the episodes that got lost was about the edge.
1: Oh, Oh, I know a bit about The Edge.
0: (laughs) What was the first show you ever saw at The Edge? Do you remember?
1: Well, I'm sure you were there. Um, (laughs) I drove. Yeah, I got to think it would have been something along the lines of the janitors.
0: The janitors were the second act.
1: Oh, do you remember the answer to this? I'm really thankful for that. Um, it was the opener. Clubber Lang. Clubber Lang. With the, the first front man, e Huck. Yep. Uh-huh.
0: And the, the main event, and the reason I desperately wanted to go, was a little band from Fresno called Let's Go
1: Bowling. They were from Fresno? Yeah. Ah. Uh. How did I not remember that? Yes, that definitely, yeah. I remember the the weird things we did as teenagers was our skanking that devolved into just writhing in a pile on the floor. (laughs) Yep. We felt awfully cool. Awfully cool. (laughs) The only thing that would have made me feel more cool is if I had a job and could buy the hat and suspenders
0: I have
1: (laughs) not got those yet.
0: I had the suspenders. I don't think I ever got the hat.
1: No, I don't remember that you did. Yeah, but
0: I definitely remember going to every thrift store in town looking for skinny
1: ties. That was... Skinny ties. I had at least one. I really had two skinny black ties. Um, I, I, yeah, I, suspenders, you could come buy those, but yeah, the whole rest, the hats, you know, that's sort of the upscale. That, you, you know you're serious.
0: That's right. That's that's a lifestyle choice. All headgear, lifestyle choices. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. Now, what were some of the bands you remember seeing at The Edge?
1: Uh, Clover Lang in in the second iteration, Mm -hmm. definitely. Um, I remember one show there when the new frontman, Pow Wow, um, Angelo Light, if he told a Lang, I apologize. (laughs) Uh, Very much enjoyed him. He was very much more polished in that iteration. Uh, but, of course, stage diving was a thing we could do back then, and I was doing it. I remember jumping up on the stage, and because everyone was so hyped, he gave me a push to help motivate me to be off the stage. Not that I was lingering, like some people would, but, you know, that mm. was the thing. Give me a push. It might have been a drop kick. <laughs> I don't remember. It was from behind. Anyway, off I went, but I didn't have time to get into the swan dive belly flop posture, which is the correct way to stage dive. I was going feet first. <laughs> And watch the crowd part, except for this one poor uh, young girl who did not, and she got a chest full of my flip. I felt bad. She was okay. I was okay, probably thanks to her. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Let's see. We've seen a bunch there. There were some bigger name bands that would come through. Um, Snake and Pickle. Oh, so many times. (laughs) Yeah, the first time seeing Skank and Pickle, I didn't know who they all were. Yeah, but I did catch sight of a guy wandering around wearing some sort of plaid blazer and a very obviously fake hairpiece. <laughs> like, well, that looks like it happened, dude. Of course, that was Mike Mattingly. And uh, the wig was there to be revealed during, I think they played it right up at the top, the I'm Bald song. He's bald. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it and then the fact that he was doing all that he was doing while playing bass was uh, very, very impressive.
0: Yeah, I think I only saw him twice with Mike on the bass.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: I remember those as being like the pinnacle of that era of ska because I just loved I, – I mean, you were there so many times
1: when oh, we saw yeah. him.
0: The first time I saw oh, him, yeah. I don't think you were with me. I think it was at the Cactus Club like, 91. And yeah. I didn't know he was bald. And when he pulled off the hairpiece, I'm like, oh, my God, he's bald. <laughs> he's got and no he, hair. He, he's, he's
1: reaction. reaction. He's got no hair. <laughs> yeah, oh, man, that was... And I still have the cassette tape. Oh. I, I have. have the cassette tape. I have none Actually, of them. I uh, think... 19- I might be wrong about that. I may have not had the cassette tape, but then sound a copy. And so I do have a copy of the cassette tape, but it wow. might not be the original. Either way, same difference, right? And, exactly. Uh, I remember playing it for my daughter who's now uh, close to 16, so too young to really have any organic knowledge of cassette tapes. Of course, I'm <laughs> showing her this is a cassette tape. This is what we had to deal with in the past. And this is Skank and Pickle, and she, and she was young when I was doing this, like four. Really, mm-hmm. in the right age to appreciate a song like "You shouldn't judge a man by the hair on his butt." <laughs>
0: That's right, the hair on his butt. <laughs> <laughs> I can remember uh, the I remember the Skank and Pickle show speaking about stage diving, and uh, Lynette, bless her soul. Uh, Fantastizing the crowd. You know, if you want to come in here, do your merry little jig and then jump, that's fine. But don't stay on the stage. <laughs>
1: oh, yeah. <laughs> that was and a thing. lot of people would. Like, mm-hmm. it's not your show. This is my show. <laughs>
0: yeah, You know what? That show, that was one of the best shows I think we ever saw because that was Clubber Lang opening. I don't think it was a janitor. I think it was someone else in the middle. But then, mm-hmm. no doubt, and then Skank and Pickle.
1: Now, I remember I would not have been there for that because I never saw No Doubt, believe it or not, until after they were didn't. touring. You oh, did? I mean, unless... I'm glad to hear it.
0: Because you were the one who witnessed me trying to hit on Gwen Stefani, not knowing who she was.
1: <laughs> so that must have been very early days. I must not have known. I must not have put that together with what I was seeing. But oh, that yeah. That does sound right.
0: <laughs> yeah, that was...
1: Oh, the road I, that could have been taken.
0: <laughs> had I only known that she was Gwen Stefani, and when she asked, uh, so what do you think of No Doubt, knowing it was a trap. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, yeah.
0: They weren't great at that show either. That, actually, that show was kind of disappointing.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: The, the No Doubt portion of it. The rest of it was, I mean... Clever Lang was always on top, and then, you know, Skankin was amazing. Uh, Supposedly, that show, a videotape of it exists. Oh. And so, you know, I've always, when we were doing the Cactus Club documentary, I was always trying to see if there were shows that I was at. And there is a show where me and Jordan and I think Craig was with us and Michelle and a couple of others seeing the Red Elvises.
1: Ooh, ooh, the Red Elvises. Love that. <laughs> to this day. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. Okay, so I remember in particular one of the best shows we saw at uh, the Cactus Club. And this wasn't like a typical show for us, but it was one I remember a lot. It was an inverted show, whereas the first band was the best, second, and then third. Okay, so the third band. Um, again, apologies if anyone in this band is listening, but was, uh the Long Beach Dub All-Stars. Ooh, never, yeah. never not a disappointment. <laughs> <laughs> and for some reason, I've seen them at least three times. And uh, I think one of them was at a, a Primus New Year's Eve show, and mm-hmm. the other was this one, and this would have been the first one. Mm-hmm. And um, I had positive feelings about Sublime, as I think most people should. <laughs> but uh, they they cured me of that. The middle band would have been, I believe, the Toasters. Oh man! But may not have been, may have been, may have been Let's Go Bowling. But I don't remember. They were as good as you would expect them to be. Whoever they were. They were good. I remember a trombone player um, emptying his spit valve across the belongings and drinks of some people who were putting their stuff on the stage. But they also <laughs> played a good show. But so I thought that was cool. The first band, which really blew my wig back, I came in feeling sick. Like this day and age, the feeling of health that I was feeling, I would have been morally obliged to stay home, but this was a different time. And it was the Cactus Club. I mean, come on. Yeah. Uh, I remember we were going to in the men's something. room one of the urinals was just a pipe sticking out of the wall and I don't <laughs> think that stopped people from using it I oh, think god. they would instead of bleaching the urine off they just put on a new coat of black paint but the first band was Yeska do you remember this show?
0: oh my god yes that was the only time I saw Yeska
1: yeah me too and I didn't, I didn't have any idea of who they were uh but that was just fantastic. Oh my god, that was a great show. Oh that show I don't... cured me of whatever was going on.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The the show I remember from uh the cactus the most was when uh the Ska Parade was doing a tour. So Stacey Phillips and Albino Brown were there and Leon was super excited to get to hang and chat with Albino Brown. Uh but it was, uh, I don't even, I think it was Let's Go Bowling was the headliner. But I want to say it was the opener was Mob Town. And they had the tightest horn section I had ever heard. And then I know the second band was uh Hepcat. And that was the only time I'd ever seen them. And they were so dead on. Like that was just perfect show to see. I don't think you were there.
1: I, I don't think for that one.
0: I know yeah. Leon was there. Uh, and I know, uh, I think it was me, Leon, may have been Jordan, and Bobby. Because I know Bobby was there because he was wearing a skinny tie and his shorts. And he looked like a freak. And we loved him. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now let's talk snagglepuss.
1: Well, wait, let me, let me just finish off the, oh, yeah. the, the Cactus Club talk. Um, one time, because I just have to say this because it's about me, um, I was playing with a band called Naughty Barnyard, mm-hmm. and uh, we participated in a, a, a bunch of Cactus Club shows to the point where I'd go to see other shows there and people started knowing my name, which is really out of character for me to make any kind of scene. But made it, um, I did. And <laughs> uh, there was a band called Floppy Rod, and interestingly, the lead singer, Floppy Rods, lives out near me and partner now. Uh, the bass player, Aaron, Aaron played in a lot of the bands that uh, we would go see. Aaron Beatbelt, uh, I know he worked at The Starving Musician when it was right yeah. next to the comedy sports thing. And uh, uh, yeah, he, he played bass in Floppy Rods. And Floppy Rods liked us because we were kind of similar, sort of funky 90s funk. And so they got us on the bill where it was us and then them and then Fishbone and this was Fishbone in the Spacey Key days, Mm -hmm. right after they came out with that album, I think on Disney, whatever record label, Yeah. Uh, And that was was great. It was, uh, I think, a rough time for Fishbone filling filling venues, so it wasn't that full, but of course I stuck around and, and, and watched them, and then I remember after the end of the show, um, standing outside the front door and it was me and uh, our good friend Robert who maybe you can project this and, and the girlfriend of mine at the time and the door opens up and the guy at Cactus who was a bouncer whose face I still remember, don't know his name says who has, who has weed <laughs> and, and so you know, no matter what the question was, like, I, I was flat-footed and was, like, standing there dumb. Um, my friend, Robert, redacted, potentially, <laughs> uh, kind of meekly raises his hand, gets grabbed by the lapels and pulled in, but then the door shuts. <laughs> I was like, oh, man. And if I had thought a little faster I might have jumped in because like I'm to hang out with Fishbone. But um, that did not come to pass. I think I would have been... Um, ultimately ended that relationship with that girlfriend, which, in retrospect, would have been a, another positive. But it came to ask him later, like, what was that like? What was it like, you know, having that kind of hangout session with Fishbone? Oh, they just smoked all the stuff, and nobody was <laughs> saying it. Oh, that sounds awesome. <laughs> uh,
0: okay. How many times did we see Fishbone? It must have been a dozen.
1: I've seen them a bunch. I remember my first, if any kind of show, was when I was 12. My parents took me to see Paul McCartney, Flowers in the Dirt, at uh, like something on the Berkeley campus, but I don't know if it's the Greek Theater. So this was big. I don't remember what it was. I saw Dr. Dean Adele in a limo on the way out. So that was cool. <laughs> um, and then the second show... And the first one that I went to of my own religion was the Lollapalooza with Primus headlining, and you were there. Oh, yeah, Uh, Fishbone was there. My first time seeing Fishbone. And my second show was going up to the war field in Leon and Gabe Matus and Robert and our good friend Darren Wilcox um, Mm. went up to the war field to see Fishbone, and uh, I was fantastic. Had a welt across my chest from the security gate. That's how you do it.
0: <laughs> you know
1: that Lollapalooza was
0: a big freaking deal uh, cuz that's where we met Timothy Leary. Uh-huh. That's where that was the first time I had ever seen Tool on the second stage
1: which I missed.
0: Yeah, that's right. Um but you were with me when I when we were watching Charlie Hunter
1: Trio uh yep.
0: which was phenomenal.
1: Uh it's just mind-blowing even what's happening, the way he plays an instrument that at that point I had never heard of.
0: Yeah, it was crazy. But that show was insane. I mean, uh, on the second, when your second stage is Tool, uh, God, it was Tool, Mercury Rev, Mutabaruka, Baruca, uh, not Ween, but there was another Ween-like band. Uh, and then just <laughs> like bands that were big like, Two years later I think modest mouse might have even been on that show uh, oh. and then you had the main stage with we didn't get George Clinton which is a shame
1: <laughs> but we, we got, got didn't get George Clinton we got fishbone we got rage against the machine right yep who I think was first who I wasn't familiar with because I wasn't old enough to have bought their bought their things and they didn't play them on MTV because of all the F words and mm-hmm. so I remember just running around in the pit hearing, you know, fuck you, I won't do what you tell me. I feel like I'm, I'm grown up now.
0: <laughs> and you know who else was on that show? Arrested Development, yeah. who I still think is one of my favorite uh, bands of
1: rap-esque music. <laughs> I agree with that description. Rap-esque. There's yeah. Definitely. I mean, you know, there's a lot of uh, commonality between them and and Public Enemy, who I consider at that time a high watermark of of rap. Oh yeah. Uh, and they definitely, I mean, for being like a good Christian band, but they were also pretty revolutionary in terms of what they were talking about.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: I mean that they
0: they were great. I remember Front Two Four Two being terrible. Which is why I went wandering off to go end up seeing Tool. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, and then
1: yeah,
0: and then I can't remember who else was awful. And you and I wandered off, and that's when
1: we went and saw Timothy Leary. (laughs) Yeah, and bought those weird things that you blow into, and they spin a rotor and make the light flash on your eyes. And uh, those oh my god, about that? Do you remember (laughs) those things? Oh my god, yeah. Timothy Leary was selling. Yeah. oh.
0: And he died, like, less than a year later. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man, I totally forgot about those things.
1: <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, I that, was a, I that was a... Really mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And, of course, Primus.
0: Yeah. And Primus probably at their best. I mean, we, I, I think we saw them four or five times uh, at bigger shows, yeah. even. Uh, that was it, oh, yeah. the the Henry J. Kaiser New Year's show with the Melvins who sucked. Uh, oh. And Mr. Bungle, uh,
1: who were awesome as always,
0: but then Primus. That the one season.
1: I was not at. Oh, I that's I never right, got to see Mr. Bungle. So it would have been the next year when I joined that one. And I remember uh, Primus New Year's Eve show and I think... I'm not sure if it was Henry J Kaiser or that other marina that they played at later, but it was Tool, yep, with Everclear.
0: Oh man, and that one I wasn't at. I was still in Boston,
1: but the uh, one now, in the
0: be- the one in between those two was I know I was at with Jordan was uh, Primus headlining with I think Rollins band and. Uh, a house of Pain mm. and the only band we're seeing there <laughs> was Primus <laughs>
1: yeah yeah there's some good shows speaking of Everclear were you at the show where we saw David Bowie open up for Everclear
0: no <laughs>
1: <laughs> I know Carlos was there and I don't know if it was a big crew it was around Christmas time And I don't know why we had tickets, but it was, I think, the Live 105, and it might have been not almost acoustic, but it was the radio station's Christmas show. And David Mm -hmm. Bowie was obviously the headliner with Everclear. At the peak of their not inconsiderable powers Mm -hmm. uh, was the second, but because I think David Bowie had some scheduling problem or some emergency he had to leave for, he played a 45-minute set, and then Everclear had to go after (laughs) <laughs> and, uh, there was nobody who did not know that that was wrong.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I think the one time that that happened at a show I was at, it was it was actually a Fishbone show, and Fishbone ended up opening for some reason at I think it was at the Catalyst, and it ended up being an hour and a half of Fishbone, and then we got like twenty minutes each of two local Santa Cruz bands. <laughs> sorry guys (laughs) and that place cleared out after (laughs) after and I remember they closed with swim and he's like okay thanks for coming and (laughs) they were they were hanging off and everyone was like yeah and you just see the like the techs just moving stuff off and like half-heartedly putting in the stuff for the next (laughs) band oh Oh, man. So many memories. Now Snagglepuss. (laughs) Tell me about being Snagglepuss.
1: (laughs) So now we're talking about Great America. And Snagglepuss, incorrectly but more commonly known as the Pink Panther, (laughs) (laughs) was sort of an entry level. So I came in uh, the summer of 94, the summer before my senior year of high school, and I uh, started working after the school year ended in the characters department, which I understand you're, you're looking for people to talk about defunct attraction to Great America. If I'm correct, I believe that Hanna-Barbera characters fit that bill. Am I right? Absolutely they do. Okay. So I was a defunct, <laughs> a Great <laughs> American attraction. Started off as Snagglepuss. Um, so the basic... Uh, lay of the land of this job. I would say, if if I could uh, feed a family, this would still be my job. Actually, that's not true. I'll get to Wyatt later. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you you show up. You have forty five minutes from the time you come in and, and sign in um, to change into your look like a volleyball uh, practice uniform and uh, inspect your costume and do whatever. Uh, preparation with that and then be out in to the park walking with the guests for 30 minutes and then after that you'd have a 30-minute paid break and then 30-minute walk and 30-minute paid break until a 30-minute paid break that was followed by your 30-minute lunch and then that would repeat until the end of the day. So really every job should be like that. <laughs> the
0: way every I do that job every job is.
1: <laughs> It's worth getting punched by strangers, <laughs> which is a surprise. Well, maybe not surprisingly, but a common part of that job. Now, think about these costumes: is you're wearing basically um, a fur, you know, synthetic fur carpet, right, with a with a, mm-hmm. like a hoop kind of pod inside, not padding, but like there's some boning kind of structure to give you um, the big shape, uh, but mostly empty inside, thankfully. Uh, They definitely held heat very well. Uh, They're very well-made costumes. And the heads uh, of Snagglepuss and Yogi Bear, and and, uh, the one common type, they had this big fiberglass shell. And you'd have viewports where the foam covered it so you could see out, but people couldn't see it. And Snagglepuss was one where the fiberglass had the snap shape. So Snagglepuss would pull forward and just destroy the muscles in the back of your neck. (laughs) <laughs> and most of the view for Snagglepuss was through the end of the south because when you take that foam and you're looking through at a really shallow angle, you can't really see through it. So Snagglepuss' view is very limited, and he uh, just couldn't move fast. I did learn how to do his taken-off pose where you kind of get into your running crouch with one leg up. I had to learn mm-hmm. that. Oh, wow. But, yeah, you're pretty blind and helpless, but if someone punched you in the head... It was definitely going to hurt them more than it hurt you. Uh, i say the exemplary snagglepuss uh, memory I have is getting a a tap on the shoulder from my uh, human escort, which at Great American, we always had human escorts to keep us uh, safe and from stepping on people or whatever. Taps and snag, this little girl wants to say hi, and I turn around and I see this upset looking little girl looking like someone just swatted the ice cream cone out of her hand uh, <laughs> because that's what I did. <laughs> oh. And you had these big final cuff links. And so it's like not only situational awareness is gone, but you're wearing these big kind of weights on your, on your wrists. And I, yeah, turn around and slap the cone. <laughs> Run out of her hand, poor thing. She probably picked the new character to like. We got her a new one. Thought, oh,
0: no. Yeah. And that was always... And- you know, I always worried about because I was Santa Clara's mascot, as I believe you were at one point. Yes. And yep, I remember. After you. Yeah, I remember completely when I was down on the ground and with that stupid head and walking by the front of the thing. Somehow I turned my head so that it ended up slightly under the bar and basically kneecapped the kid. <laughs> oh. Oh. oh, the oh. memories. The memories of hurting people
1: <laughs> oh yeah so i mean there's lots of opportunities to do that in these great american costumes so um yeah my next my next year and near the end of that first year there they they, they moved me up snaggle Puts into the yogi bear costume and so the yogi bear costume was still the basic thing but the leverage on your neck was a lot less because head was generally round instead of cantilevered so the yeah. visibility was better And uh, the ergonomics were better. And, of course, you were a much more, you know, people knew you were yogi. You didn't didn't, didn't get called anything else. Mm -hmm. Um, Yogi had a big smile, and that whole smile was constructed so that you could see through it. And, interestingly, I don't know if there's anybody in the world who would need to know this, but if those uh, Hanna-Barbera costumes are in use somewhere in the world, and someone hears this, here's a pro tip. The foam inside the mouth is easy to rip at the bottom where the back piece, you know, attaches behind the lower lip, making like mm-hmm. a, like a, like a cat door type of shape. Oh. And so your Yogi Bear, right? Little kids mm-hmm. are going to give you cookies. and you can yeah. slot the cookie right in through the mouth and by bending your head forward, you can get the cookie between your lips. So there's another job it. Is huh. is being able to eat the cookies. <laughs> now, I'm already already not welcome to come back and work at Great America. So if they revise their costume characters and, um, and, and hear this and, and, and take me off their pile of applicants, well, I don't need to worry about that. I think I'm already permanently uh, banned from working at Great America.
0: They're now owned, I think, by Six Flags, so you might be fine, actually.
1: <laughs> Maybe if they've lost the records. Maybe and, we lost the records.
0: And let's face it, they already have. There are no records anymore of anything.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I mean, okay, so some of the high shakes I remember getting into, I had a good friend who wore the Dino costume. That meant he was been in like the five eight to five ten range because Yoki was a six foot range.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's the that's the sorting mechanism. So he wore Dino. Dino was the costume you wanted if you were going to be active. His whole mouth was open, which made that a big viewing window. So everything from about the chest down was unimpeded vision. Mm-hmm. His head was made of foam, so it only weighed a few pounds, which mm-hmm. meant no, no back problems. Okay? And he was armed to that big tail. And this particular friend of mine would take a block of wood, probably like a six-inch, uh, cylinder of wood. It was part of the headstands that we would use to store the costumes. He had a six inch uh, long by maybe four inch diameter block of wood and he would shove it down into the tail. Hmm. And these aren't the kind of things I would do because I'm not a sociopath. But <laughs> when, when he was being aggravated by someone, he would just take a swing and, and, and maintain plausible deniability. And just hit him with the tail with that block of wood in there. And, and exact exacts his revenge. That's good revenge. <laughs> That's good revenge. I remember one story about him knocking down, uh, I think it was a 13-year-old kid, and kicking him. <laughs> and then using the excuse that he tripped over him. He's like, I can't see. You know how these heads are. I know how those heads are. The person laying on the ground in front of you is the exact best thing you can see from Dino. <laughs> That's is why he wanted to wear the Geno costume. And I think at one time he led a parade of children um, onto the carousel, uh, which and he got a talking to. Uh, so he okay. never got disinvited from applying back, though. I guess all this was uh, acceptable.
0: Of course. That's how these things
1: work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, not like me, though. I, I was given a Code 3 uh, on, on my last day of my second year there, uh, informed that, well, I would not be fired for what I had done, that mm-hmm. I would not be welcome to apply back at Great American.
0: You ran off with company funds, didn't you? You you spent the whole farm.
1: <laughs> if only. If only. <laughs> so, um, the, the what, what happened was, er, right in the middle of the summer uh, of that year, um, I, I don't know why, but I decided it would be a good idea to have a mohawk. Mm. I don't know if you recall, but... I you, remember your you mohawk. Walk. Yeah. You were actually the first person I asked to come over and help me um, wield the clippers because I wasn't mm. uh, <laughs> I wasn't too confident in my ability to, to get the lines straight. I think he mm. said no, but that's weird. I'm not gonna I definitely... <laughs> definitely said no. <laughs> I, <laughs> I would not trust you. <laughs> <pepper. laughs> but I did it nonetheless. And, and I wore that mohawk. It wasn't a great mohawk, but it was a mohawk. And uh, this was strictly not allowed at Great America's dress code, even though no guests would ever see any of us. So because I was um, a, uh, 17 years old at that time, of course I partied with all the college kids, worked at the Great America Shows Department at the time. And everybody that I worked with knew that I was wearing a mohawk under this costume. And, and, you know, you'd wear a bandana over your head under the costume to keep sweat and hair from going in your eyes. So it was always a bandana. I'd never shown the mohawk at the workplace. The only person who didn't know that I had the mohawk was my direct supervisor. So on my very last day, after my very last walk, I thought it would be funny to reveal, and so I walked up to her. Her name's Trish. I said, Trish, I'm going to do my exit interview as I was removing the head. Oh. And she saw the mohawk. Her face turned a few shades more pale, and uh, oh, my God, everyone's laughed. and Yeah, I was informed that, well, I would not be fired for having the mohawk. That I would have a code three. So they have standards. Mm-hmm. You are banned for life.
0: You, your children, and your children's children. Do we
1: never work in Great America? That's dark. Yeah, and if, they re- if they report on the report on the theme park, what was it the Star System for banks? I bet theme parks have something like that. I probably couldn't go work at our local theme park. So they're like, you were the guy with the Mohawk. You're a permanent record. <laughs>
0: No, that's
1: code three.
0: (laughs) Code three stands with you across time and space. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, well, excellent. Well, hey, I have got to go and interact with my children for some time.
1: (sighs) Oh, there's so (laughs) many more stories I could tell you. When you said Edge, I thought you were going to ask me about the ride at Great America before Drop Zone was the Edge. And is the tidal wave still there?
0: No, the tidal wave has been gone. I
1: just found the episode I did on it because it was my favorite. Okay, here's the augmentation. I'll make this quick since you got to go. The tidal wave was uh, powered by a weight in one of the columns that would drop and pull a cable to get the cars up to speed. And I remember one time, so the lunch, the employee lunch area was right on the over the fence into the employees-only area from the tidal wave. So we would hear those weights dropping in that car going on every, you know, minute and a half cycle. And there was one time when that cable broke and the weight plummeted. The the ground shook. The cars came to a stop with the emergency brakes like about a quarter of a way into the loop. And the next thing we heard was a cheer coming up from the cafeteria because we were going to get to have quiet lunches. For a few days, before they fix that cable.
0: <laughs> oh, that's so great. <laughs> oh,
1: yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh,
0: well, awesome. Josh, it has been a pleasure.
1: Absolutely. It's good to it's hear been your what, voice.
0: 15, 20 years? Ah,
1: oh, yeah. I would say so. Wow.
0: You know what that reminds me of? Hmm. The heat death of the universe.
1: <laughs> big... Yeah, I'm not uh, sure why. I'm just, it just reminds uh, me of that. What else? <laughs> I mean, yeah, what else could you possibly make you think of?
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, I, I don't know, but yeah. <laughs>
0: cool. Good to talk to you, big guy. Let us stay in Great touch. To talk to you. We'll do this again at yeah, some and, point
1: about something. <laughs> and, and, and for what it's worth, if if you listeners, I have a, I've got a My own end recording. So I will send you a a WAV file of my end, and you can splice them together, and we'll have a competition of whose microphones sound better.
0: Oh, I guarantee you your microphone will sound better because I'm using (laughs) record-a-call.
1: Okay. (laughs) Sounds like garbage. (laughs) Well, I'm looking forward to hearing you sounding like you sound now through my my cell phone and and my dulcet tones. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Cool. I'll talk to you later, Josh. All right. Take care. Bye. Bye.